0: Hello, and welcome to the weekly market podcast from BNP Paribas Asset Management. I'm Daniel Morris, Senior Investment Strategist. And this week, I'm joined by Karen Nauzulé, who is the Head of Infrastructure Debt at BNP Paribas Asset Management. But before we start our conversation with Karen, uh, a bit of a recap on what we're seeing in the markets. Clearly, a lot going on between the pandemic, between U.S. elections, uh, still data that we need to be following to get an assessment of how well economies are recovering from coming out of lockdowns. And of course, the concerns that at least some countries may be going back into lockdown. But if we look at the data that we've seen, particularly retail sales, which for us is one of the key indicators that we need to be following as consumer demand is really the swing variable in this recession. So we wanna see how well that's holding up. And encouragingly, the data that we got last week from the US and the UK did show that consumer demand is reasonably robust, uh, in some cases above levels that you had prior to the pandemic, That's the good news. However, we know that there are several risks to that outlook. In Europe, there are discussions of the reimposition of restrictions uh, in the UK, in France, in Spain. So we'll have to see exactly what form those restrictions take and then think about the implications and the impact then on economic growth and corporate profits. And in the U.S., of course, we are still waiting for a subsequent fiscal package stimulus support package to be passed by the Congress. And given what's happened uh, with the US Supreme Court, the odds of a package being agreed between the Democrats and the Republicans probably uh, is, if anything, less likely now than it was before. When we think then around US politics, The other thing we need to have in the back of our minds as we get closer to the election date at the beginning of November uh, is to remember what happened back in 2000 when you had the contest between Bush and Gore, the infamous hanging chads in Florida, uh, because there are reasonable odds that we're going to see something similar this time. Now, remember back in 2000, that whole scenario lasted around five weeks between the election and the decision of the U.S. Supreme Court that put a stop to the recount. So five weeks of reasonably high volatility and uncertainty over that period. And actually for a couple weeks following the Supreme Court decision, you saw the S&P 500 fall 12 percent from peak to trough and U.S. Treasuries rallied 100 basis points. Though importantly, once the decision finally had been taken and the markets digested that, they did turn around. If we think now about how things might play out in November, if The results of the election are contested. If it's not clear, immediately following. uh, There could be weeks, again, of uncertainty uh, with a likely uh, sell-off in risk assets and a rally in haven assets until we do get to some sort of resolution. And then hopefully the markets will find their footing again. With that, now let's turn to our guest speaker this week. So Karen, I just spoke about uh, equities, we've spoken about uh, treasuries, but of course there are many other things that we can invest in in the world, and in particular something that our clients find extremely interesting, and I imagine you do as well, is infrastructure debt. Um, Now, of course, everything is a bit different these days with the pandemic and COVID-19. So my first question is, in the context of COVID-19, why invest in infrastructure debt?
1: Yeah, sure, it's a it's a good question. So um, infrastructure debt, uh, which basically consists in financing large tangible assets that provides an essential product or service has proved to be uh, resilient. And in most cases is considered as, as related to the macroeconomic environment. Uh, why? mainly because those assets benefit from high barriers to entry and even sometimes a monopolistic position, regulated uh, regulated environment. Uh, So as a consequence of that, it offers stable returns and diversification for investors. And it's true that during the COVID-19 situation, and in particular during the lockdown period, uh, infrastructure financings have shown low volatility uh, compared to more standard credit asset classes and even, uh, even equity?
0: Well, that certainly does sound like uh, an asset class that would be of interest in, in these times, especially as we've not only gone through a lot of volatility of, uh, through 2020. Uh, as I explained at the beginning of today's podcast, if anything, we're going to continue to see volatility likely through the end of the year. If we go back to infrastructure debt, in particular, though uh, I'm sure it's quite diverse asset class. You pointed out the diversification benefits. Have all the sectors been impacted in the same way?
1: So it's right that uh, what I have said is that in most cases uh, the 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 asset class has has been resilient and has shown low volatility. But obviously uh, the situation is uh, different depending on the the subsectors. So. The sectors that have been less impacted by the pandemic on one side are, for instance, renewables. So um, uh, why is that? Because when we finance uh, renewables, so renewable energy, uh, those assets, usually they are already operating uh, for most of them in Europe um, and they can be operated remotely. Uh, and they are considered, as they are considered as an essential uh, product, they have been allowed to operate even during the lockdown period across Europe. Uh, then we have the utility sectors, for instance. So, which means uh, for us, at least for infrastructure, means heating network or water treatment, for instance. And those are also considered as essential for not only for individuals, but as well for, for companies. And the the impact has been uh, very remote. And for the same same very limited impact is the telecom sector. Telecom sector for the infrastructure asset class means uh, fiber optic networks, for instance, um, or telecom towers. And now they are considered by countries and by regulators as really an essential service, and we have all experienced um, how much it was important for companies and for individuals to have access to uh, high-speed internet access. So those are the sectors that have almost not been impacted by the the pandemic situation. Uh, Obviously, the situation is more contrasted for transportation assets. Uh, toll roads for instance they have been largely hit by a sharp decrease in volumes but though what we have seen is that at the end of the lockdown period um, most of them have recovered their pre-crisis level so they have been hit largely but with a very fast recovery on the contrary uh, we all have in mind the, the airport sector, uh, which obviously have seen as well a very hard decrease, a drop in volume. Uh, but this subsector will need several years to recover. So uh, it's not only how much the sector has been hit, it's as well we have to take into account the speed of recovery. And obviously, airport is really the subsectors that have Uh, that has suffered the most um, across the the asset class. Going forward, we expect the transportation sector to be less active, uh, whereas we are seeing more and more transactions related to uh, renewables and telecom, as I said earlier. And on top of that, both sectors um, are in addition compliant uh, or eligible uh, with uh, the European strategic uh, decarbonization plans. So uh, we will see probably more and more capex uh, coming into, uh, into those sectors thanks to the fact they are basically ESG friendly.
0: Now, of course, in times like this, uh, investors, businesses can't sit on the sidelines. I'm sure there's still a lot of activity uh, in your space. I believe you've also recently launched a senior and junior debt strategy. What's the rationale for that?
1: So in in that context, um, uh, it's true that uh, infrastructure debt Play the, roles, uh, play the role of a diversification bucket for, for investors, uh, as I said earlier. And both actually senior and junior debt are playing that role. Uh, senior infrastructure debt allows investors to benefit from a, an attractive relative value thanks to uh, the illiquidity premium it offers uh, in the market. And this is combined with a low expected loss. Junior debt is really uh, for investors that are looking uh, for a higher uh, absolute return, but still benefiting from the same resilient underlying assets uh, that are providing uh, those stable and predictable cash flows, but with an additional layer of leverage. So the risk-return profile is as well uh, uh, very interesting. Uh, but the absolute return is uh, is different. And what we can mention as well is that both of them benefit from a, a reduced capital charge. So uh, it's both for senior and junior debt. So uh, it may be uh, interesting uh, as well from this uh, standpoint.
0: Now, one thing that's very important to BMP Paribas Group as a whole, certainly BMP Paribas Asset Management, uh, our ESG criteria. When you th- look at infrastructure debt, how do you take ESG criteria into account in your own investment process?
1: So, as I said earlier, most of our subsectors are considered uh, ESG friendly. Um, and uh, we have decided to uh, implement uh, an exhaustive ESG policy. Uh, that is embedded into our investment process. Uh, so it's based uh, basically on two pillars. Uh, first of all, we rely on the, our internal sustainability center uh, that is providing an ESG uh, assessment, so on a transaction basis. And of course, they they attend uh, our, uh, our investment committee and they even have a veto right in this uh, investment committee. Um, and then on top of that, we decided to mandate um, an independent expert that provide an impact assessment uh, as well on transaction basis. And that impact assessment actually includes uh, four aspects. So we have the avoided emissions, uh, the induced emissions, uh, the net environmental cont- contribution, which is basically... Um, uh, the comparison between the transactions in the portfolio with a more uh, standard uh, infrastructure assets in the same sector. Uh, and then the comparison of the transaction with the two degree alignment. And then based on those two assessments, uh, we combine those assessments to, uh, to provide uh, an ESG uh, reporting to, uh, to investors.
0: Great. Thank you very much, Karen. That was very interesting, and I would imagine extremely relevant uh, to our clients who are thinking about how to diversify their portfolios, but also find assets, as you point out, with infrastructure debt that, uh, that are resilient, and particularly what we've seen relatively decorrelated to the macro environment. Uh, and after the big swings we've gone through in GDP over the last six months, that's certainly uh, an appeal. Secondarily, you noted that within the space with high barriers to entry, often monopolistic positions or regulated environment, that helps generate uh, reasonably stable and also reasonably high returns. And finally, that the asset class offers good diversification, not only relative to other asset classes, but within the asset class itself, given the differences we've seen in performance on one hand between say renewable energy and utilities or telco, Uh, and the transportation space and then finally uh, and and certainly one of the key considerations for us is the fact that it is an esg friendly asset class and you incorporate for example our sustainability center as part of your investment process to ensure that esg is always a key part of the decisions that you take Well, that's all the time we have this week. Thank you very much for joining us. If you have any further questions, please do not hesitate to reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact. And otherwise, we wish you a good week and take care. This podcast presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BNP Paribas Asset Management.